0: You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation, for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me, as this week we're reading through the end of the book of Jeremiah, chapters 32, 33, and then 51 and 52, and also the book of Lamentations, five chapters that describe the captivity of Judah by Babylon. This... Episode is dealing with apologetics or a defense of the faith. Now, remember, every single week I try to remind you that apologetics is not so much about trying to win an argument. But trying to win a person's heart. And we do so by answering questions. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 3 to be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that hope grounded in faith is why we do uh, even this uh, podcast. I want people. To have hope. I want people to be grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ, the love of Christ, and to grow and be able to answer some of these tough questions. And one tough question that comes up from the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations is how could God use a pagan nation to discipline or bring judgment upon his own people? So, so I want you to catch the scenario with me I was talking with a friend even recently about this and this was his question He said Matt, I don't understand in the book of Jeremiah it seems like God switches sides you ever thought about that that God is switching sides and and and, and at one point from uh, the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 all the way up through the kings uh, that God is, pro-Israel, 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 and now all of a sudden God wants to crush Israel and he takes the side of the Babylonians. And in fact, at one point uh, says in other passages, uh, other writings, hey, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be my servant. Uh, and so how do we reconcile that with our understanding of Israel being God's chosen people and God uh, not... Uh, forsaking his own. In fact, that was one of the statements made, is how could God forsake his people? Don't we serve a God that doesn't forsake? Well, I'm, I'm glad the question was asked, and I sat down with this friend of mine, and we walked through, and I want to share with you kind of what I shared with him based on Jeremiah chapter 51. So go with me, Jeremiah 51. This is in our reading uh, uh, this week. Jeremiah 51, verse 1 says this, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am going to arouse against Babylon and against the inhabitants of Lebkammai, the spirit of a destroyer. And he says in uh, in, uh, verse uh, uh, two, I will dispatch foreigners to Babylon that they may winnow her and may devastate her land for on every side they will be opposed to her in the day of her calamity. So what we have to uh, in, in this passage is a declaration by God that he was ultimately going to destroy Babylon. And this would take place. During the, even the time of captivity, Babylon is going to be overtaken by the Medo-Persians. Uh, we see this in the book of Daniel, uh, as Daniel is in the the, the court of Nebuchadnezzar and yet uh, about halfway in between uh, Nebuchadnezzar is uh, is uh, or, or Nebuchadnezzar's uh, uh, descendant is overthrown and Babylon ceases to exist and uh, and it becomes Medo, uh, the Medo-Persian empire that is reigning over Jerusalem. So when we look at this, we do see that God is going to get back at uh, Babylon. But how could he, in the first place, use Babylon to discipline and punish Israel? Well, I want to give you four reminders today uh, in, in light of this, this passage and in light of that question. Number one, all are sinful and wretched. Now, I know that doesn't sound nice. I know it doesn't sound like something that we would put on a coffee cup or wear on a t-shirt, but it's truth. Romans chapter 3 reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it does not matter whether you're talking about God's chosen people, Israel, or pagan nations who did not follow after God. All are sinful and wretched, including you and me. God, in his holiness, uh, has to judge sin in his own way and his own time. So that's number two. Because God is holy God must judge sin in his own way and his own time. So when I hear somebody ask, why did God switch sides? Well, that reveals for me a foundation of the heart that says right and wrong is determined by man, not God. So, so think about it. if God is switching sides, then the sides have been determined of right and wrong. And in this particular question, right would be Israel, wrong would be Babylon. And so God is pro-Israel at one point. He's right. Then God is pro-Babylon at another point then God is wrong. Well, what we've done in that moment, if that's the way that you think, and, and maybe you don't intend it that way. This this friend of mine certainly didn't intend it that way. But when I said that, it revealed to him, he's like, oh, you're right. I, I started with a faulty foundation. Um, even if you don't intend it, when, when you set God is the one who jumps back and forth, then something else is the standard. Uh, And and man cannot be the standard. Again, this goes back to the first point. All are sinful and wretched, except for God. Uh, Man is not the standard of righteousness. We are sinful, wretched creatures. So God has to be the standard Uh, from the beginning. God does not change. God does not move. And what you have throughout biblical history Is when when God called Abraham to follow Him, knowing it would take place. God calls an imperfect human, Abraham, who has imperfect sons, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, who has imperfect nation, uh, an imperfect nation that rises up from the twelve tribes, Israel, who have imperfect leaders, Moses, Aaron, Samuel, or Joshua, Samuel, Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, and then the split with imperfect kings, you have to understand that Israel is going to mess up. Israel is going to be led down a path that is against God. So in this, God must judge sin in his own way and his own time. And the way that God chose to do it is not by taking a, a sinful nation against a righteous nation, because that's usually how we think of it. How can God use unrighteous people to discipline righteous people? Well, remember the Israelites were not righteous. They were God's chosen people, but chosen to bring about the Messiah. Therefore, the gospel of Jesus Christ through him, uh, through them. But no, they were not righteous. God can use any person, any family, any nation, any group to discipline and bring about discipline on any other one because we are all sinful, wretched creatures. We must understand that. But God does not change. Uh, there's been a cliche used, and, and and I use it a lot, but um, you know God can use a cro- crooked stick to draw a straight line. Now we don't need to take that to its farthest, farthest extreme and talk about how God can use any sinner and you know let them let them be uh, in a particular ministry role. It doesn't matter how they live. That's not what I mean by that. What I'm saying is God can take Babylon, a a nation not submitted to Him. And use them for his glory. And that leads to the third statement. God's judgment is for his glory and the good of his people. So let's take the first part. God's judgment is for his glory. And this really answers for me. This is the the key element. God can use whoever he wants because in the end, God gets the glory. And most often, God will use those pagan nations, uh, wicked kingdoms and empires throughout history to show off his glory, that he is in control, uh, we see the book of Jeremiah as a a letter not just to Judah, but a letter to pagan nations of how he's going to uh, going to uh, uh, come against them also. But it's also for the good of his people. Think about this: Israel ultimately went into captivity in Babylon to for for several reasons. First, because of discipline and, and punishment. He, they, had, they, they had not obeyed God, and so they needed discipline and punishment. Also for protection. Think about it. As they're in uh, Babylon, there are several times that they are protected. Think about Daniel. Think about uh, the th- three Hebrew children. Think about during the Medo-Persian time, Esther, uh, and how they're protected in, in that aspect, that God uses the nations to protect his very own people. God did not forsake them. And 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 when I say the good of his people, a statement was, how can God forsake his people? Well, listen to Jeremiah 51, verse 5. For neither Israel nor Judah has been, here's a key word, forsaken by his God, the Lord of hosts. Although their land is full of guilt before the Holy One of Israel. God reminds them, You are not forsaken, verse 19. The portion of Jacob is not like these, those worthless um, acts of the the nations. For the maker of all is he, and of the tribe of his, his inheritance, the Lord of hosts, is his name. And God says, I will use you to shatter the nations, destroy the kingdoms, shatter the horse and the rider, shatter the chariot and the rider, shatter man and woman, old man and youth, young man and virgin, the shepherd and his flock, the farmer and his team, the governors and prefects. God says, I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants for all the evil that they have done in Zion before your eyes. God reminds them, um, you are not forsaken. You are temporarily being punished, but I am going to bring all this about for your good. And we see when we see the whole of the Old Testament, uh, we see that God fulfills that promise. He's going to bring them back. That's what we have in a lot of the minor prophets. So all are sinful and wretched. Because God is holy, God must judge sin in his own way, in his own time. God's judgment is for his glory and the good of his people. And then finally, God can ultimately use the judgment to turn the hearts of even pagan kings. So when somebody asks me, or or maybe when when you even think about all this going on in Jeremiah, it looks like, man, God is he's punishing Israel. Now he's punishing Babylon. He's just out to get everybody. Well I want you to think through some of the later books like Daniel and notice the change in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the leader of Babylon, the king, notice the change in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar as he uh, as the book goes on, at, at at a certain point, he's going to admit that God is high and worthy of praise and honor, and then at another point, he's going to uh, to actually proclaim. And I, I I believe Nebuchadnezzar becomes becomes a Yahweh or God fearer uh, that he's he's going to change. He's going to be humbled uh, in 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 uh, Daniel chapter four. And so as I, as I read the book of Daniel, I see that God can turn the hearts of even pagan kings, that God can, can use the unrighteous and through the use of the unrighteous, actually make them righteous through his own grace and mercy. And ultimately, the, uh, the, the question really boils down to this. How can God use the unrighteous to discipline his own people? Um, because his own people are unrighteous. And the only way to change our hearts is God actually had to send his righteous son, Jesus Christ, to die for the entire world. That through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we might be saved. So I want you to think about this. This seems like an unfair uh a, a question that brings an unfair uh, thought. How can God use the unrighteous to discipline his own people? We ask that because it just seems unfair. Well, that's not the case. Um, there is nothing um, unfair about God, except that it is not fair that God had to die for his people. And yet in fairness, he put his son on the cross because Jesus, sacrifice had to be paid. And so to be fair, um, God let his son die so that sin might be dealt with. And in unfairness, if you use that word, you and I get to go free. The question is not a question of God's character. God is completely perfect in every way. It's a Look at his lavish love upon us, uh, or his love lavished upon us. God has graciously given us everything uh, and made us heirs with him, with Christ. So instead of questioning the character of God, let us look at the mercy and the grace and be captivated by him. Uh, and And that's my prayer, is that our apologetic answers to these questions would simply be a defense of the faith we have because Jesus is good. He is our Savior, and as we close out this episode uh, in uh, in looking at uh, God's grace and mercy, we want to point out a ministry moment or a ministry that we can support and be involved in. And this week, I want to point out the ministry of Central Hills and uh, Camp Central Hills and Camp Garraway, through Mississippi Baptist Convention that uh, provides opportunities for teens and children to go to camp to hear weekly about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. A fun way, an exciting way for them to get away from the distractions all around them before they go back to school. And so uh, our kids actually leave. In the morning, headed to Central Hills, we've got uh, some of our leaders taking them there. And as they are, uh, as they are doing this, I want you to be praying for them. I want you to be lifting them up uh, and praying that God moves in a great way. They'll be going from Thursday through Saturday. Uh, my daughters. Uh, are going to be, be able to be there, and uh, so I definitely ask you to pray for them also. I got to go last year, and uh, and I pray for a great time uh, in, in the Lord together. So uh, I hope that you're having a great day. Hope that you are continuing to read, and tomorrow's episode, we will look at evangelism from Jeremiah and Lamentations. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.